Welcome to North Liberty Library's Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast, a series of universal talks gently guided by open hearts and open minds. Listen to ignite the light in you and to appreciate the light in others. Hello, I'm Kelly with North Liberty Library, and I thank you for joining us today on Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast. You can also catch Love, Light, and Lit on Facebook Live every Monday at 12 noon Central Time. Please be sure to follow North Liberty Library on Facebook to get notifications. A word of note, this episode of Love, Light, and Lit will include references to harassment and coercion. Please use your own discretion while listening. To many of us, The workplace can either be a source of innovation, stress, or a combination of both. For some, specifically women, the workplace is something altogether complicated and dangerous. According to NPR, 38% of women experience sexual harassment at the workplace. Of those women, roughly 58% do not file a formal complaint. In addition, the impact of harassment does not end at the incident. A study from the National Council for Research on Women shows that women are nine times more likely to quit, five times more likely to transfer, and three times more likely to lose jobs to men because of harassment. Today's guest chose to share her own story of workplace harassment and how she rose from the aftermath. Trisha Cornwell has been married for 20 years, has three small dogs at home, and is currently working as an accountant. Trisha received her Bachelor of Arts with degrees in accounting from the University of Iowa and an MBA from the University of Dubuque. Trisha works as the Vice President of Business Operations for ESG Professional Accountants. She has over 10 years of experience in accounting and financial analysis and management and process improvement. Trisha has served as controller and director for various companies in the services and healthcare industries. Today, Trisha is going to share her experience with workplace harassment and the work she did to heal and teach others. Welcome, Trisha. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. It is absolutely good to have you on. And again, before we begin, I wanted to thank you again in advance for sharing your story with our audience. Would you like to begin by telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, I've lived in Iowa City a couple years since before I was married, so a little over 20 years with my husband. And I've worked in the Cedar Rapids area for most of my career since graduating college. I have two Frenchies in Boston. We enjoy camping and um, numbers are kind of my geeky thing. So, Got it. Absolutely. And just based on the bit of the resume that we summarized in the introduction, you have a very, very vast work experience, which makes today's topic very timely as you have had your own experience with workplace harassment. I'd like to open up the floor to you to feel free to share as little or as much as you see fit of your experience. Yeah. Early in my career, before I finished my four-year degree, I found my love for accounting. I was actually originally going to go to school to be a teacher. I ended up taking some time off, and then I decided to go back to school to get my accounting degree after having a job that introduced me to the concepts and really enjoyed it. I've always been career-focused. 
And at that time, I got a boss that learned that about me. And I've been thinking about when all this started, or was there kind of a starting point when the harassment kicked off that I noticed? And I can't think of a point, but it just ended up so out of control. He had me convinced I would get his job when he retired as the CFO, which was supposed to be a few years from when he hired me. Of course, looking back now, it frustrates me that at the age of 20, that I thought I would have any chance of having a position like that with such little experience. But he had me convinced it was my job. And that's kind of part of how it begins. It doesn't start mainly physically. It starts on a mental level. Absolutely. And, you know, trapping me that way. And the other thing he had done was he had convinced me that the entire executive team hated me, which again, why would I want to have an executive level position in an organization where no one liked me? But he had me so convinced and I was so career focused and career driven. And that was my career path that I was so stuck on that. He always told me I had two strikes walking into a room. I was a woman and I was young. He always told me people would hate me for that, but he would take care of it. He would right. So it's kind of that isolation that goes along with trying to change that mentality and kind of putting you in a zone where he's saying, this is your issue and only I can save you from it. Exactly. And he was good at what he did. I mean, he did teach me a lot of things business related. He did provide a lot of knowledge, I would say, that I've been able to leverage later in my career and the emotional component of myself as a person. But it came with a lot of baggage that I didn't ask for, basically. And he was someone I looked up to. I mean, he was Uh a positive figure in the organization. And I was really excited when he had hired me for the position Uh I was in. And I was going to school at the time. So it was kind of a position based upon good standing with school and then graduating. So I hadn't quite finished my degree, but I was getting some really good real life experience, which I thought was super cool. So, Mm -hmm. but as time went on, you know, he would email me at all times of the day and he would always expect a response. And if I didn't, you know, I would get comments that, you know, if you're not available, you're not going to go very far in your career. Like you need to be responsive. And so getting into that control aspect of just always having accessibility to you outside of what is considered normal for a professional relationship. Correct. It got to the point that he would ask for a hug every day when I came into work and he would need a hug every time when I left. And I remember I would try to come in at like 630 in the morning so I could avoid that. But he'd get there and I need my morning hug. and And it sounds like the morning hug was his way of trying to introduce the physical aspect of communicating with you. And that was unwelcome from the beginning, because I know you mentioned that It's hard to pinpoint when the harassment escalated, but what were your initial thoughts once you realized that the hugs and the physical and the mental were all molding together to begin to seem like harassment? Well, my thoughts were, he's going to retire in a couple of years and this will just go away. Suck it up. You're going to get the job that you have wanted since you started learning about accounting. And it's going to be this great, wonderful thing. Like you can suck it up and deal with this. He'll be gone in a few years and you'll never have to deal with him again. And that is how I justified all of it. He's going to promote me, which means he's leaving and retiring and I won't have to deal with it again. It'll take care of itself. And he had a way of crafting that to make it seem like you have to go through these incidences in order 
to achieve your goal. So just tying the harassment and tying the unwanted behavior to your own personal goals, that was kind of the secret behind it. Exactly. I mean, the other thing he would do too is he had me convinced I was better than everyone, which ultimately led me to treating everyone that I was. Yeah, because that isolation and the separation, you're better than them, treat them differently, and then in turn, he's isolating you from the rest of your team. And he would, I would probably use the term gaslight. He would gaslight me to a level of emotion and frustration that I would be crying, which then resulted in, well, I better give you a hug because you're crying to calm you down. So he would create this situation that would ultimately result in that physical that again was unwanted. And I would say that it's definitely one thing I learned from the situation was to pull emotion out of anything business related. So I don't have to worry about combating somebody from like trying to physically ease my pain from being upset. When it first started occurring, because of the environment that he created by isolating you from the rest of your team, did you ever feel like there was anyone at your company that you could talk to about it? Not necessarily from a legal standpoint, like an HR person, but just someone to confide in one-on-one. Was there anyone that you felt like you could have that conversation with that work? No. And it was a finite thing for me. And I felt like if I came forward to anyone, I would lose the chance at the job. So Mm -hmm. he had me so connected to, I'm the one who's going to give this to you. I'm the one who's going to create this job for you. So kind of like the dangling carrot. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of it was, it's embarrassing. I mean, how anyone who knows me in my life, even from that point, would never imagine I would allow someone to treat me that way. They would never expect that this would have happened to me. But also everyone in my life knows how career focused I am. So it would be Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I can see how someone could have manipulated. That's one of the elements of harassment, especially in the workplace. The assailant is going to zoom in on and take advantage of the fact that someone has passion for their career. It's not always what would be stereotypically known as like a shy, inward person, someone that you think that they would take advantage of. Sometimes it is the person who is the go-getter. And that's something that's important to know about all sexual assault and all kind of harassment is that there is no type of person. There is no type of victim. There is no type of survivor. And I think sometimes people get caught up in that. They think that it's something that has to be forced. And there are forced harassment situations. But in your situation specifically, you were focused on the work and he took advantage of that focus by introducing harassment to the relationship. I mean, my husband knew everything that was going on. And I mean, he saw the drain, but he also knew I had career goals and he didn't want to get in the way of that. And I mean, it got to the point where I did decide that I was going to exit the organization after I graduated. Once I finished my degree, then I could apply for accounting jobs with an accounting degree since I didn't have that at the time. And I was also scared that if I went to HR, they'd be like, this has been going on for a year. And that's such a valid fear too. And we've seen this most recently on a national and global level with the Me Too movement that when people come forward, some of the reactions from naysayers is, well, why did you wait so long? No one can put a timestamp on processing harassment, processing abuse, 
processing assault. Do you feel that you needed that time to process? And it sounds like you were also kind of in a mindset where you were kind of compartmentalizing the harassment in order to survive at work. Is that accurate? Yeah. And like I said, it was finite for me because there was an end. So it wasn't like a ongoing thing. He was close to the end of his career and there was an end in sight. And it was like, just suck it up and power through and then it'll be gone and your problems will disappear and you'll be the CFO. Mm -hmm. And so it was very finite for me. It was easy to justify not coming forward because it'll go away. But then when I made that decision where it was like, this isn't it and it's getting to be too much, then I was scared. And my solution was to walk away. Mm -hmm. Although the organization actually ended up exiting both of us. So... Oh, I see. So I was going to ask what ultimately happened with your assailant? What was the final outcome? You mentioned that you did end up leaving the corporation. So ultimately, we were both exited from the organization. Looking back on it, I believe that one of the leaders of the executive group had indirectly had a conversation with me to try to get me to tell them what was going on, because I think they knew or had an idea But I mean, I was a terrible person. I was in such a mental state. I treated everyone poorly. I was convinced no one in the organization liked me. So why would I confide in this person? They're not going to help me. Why do they care? And so I brushed it off. Like, no, everything's fine. It's great. I love my job. And do you think that this questioning from the colleague was prompted from another incident or a previous incident with another person? I believe that the assailant had told people, my coworkers, my peers, that we were having an affair. I found out later we had traveled every other Monday for a construction project to meet with the construction team out of town. And mm-hmm. it was just a day trip out and back. But I found out that the assailant had told one of my coworkers that we got a hotel room every time that we went and did that, which was not right. absolutely not true. So not only was this assailant creating an environment for you, where you felt like you were trapped and isolated and separate from your team. They were also creating an environment with your colleagues to isolate them from you. So it was really this tactic of isolation. When you finally were exited from that workplace, what did you do in order to process and heal from this incident? I have to tell you, I was a mess when I was exited. One, being let go from employment, when I'm incredibly career-driven and focused on that was devastating. I was scared to death he was going to show up at my house. He knew where I lived. I was scared to death he was going to reappear in my life, which he has not, which is no surprise as a bully, right? When things are addressed, they disappear, you know, settle down or whatever. Uh I was still in college, so I had to go out for class. But other than that, I barely left the house. I would say the healing part for me was when I got my next job, I worked for a man again. And I struggled, I think, just from the aspect of I wanted to be successful, but I didn't want to fall into the same pattern. And I was straight up with my new boss. I just said, I want to let you know where I came from. And he was also the type of person that I had developed a relationship with and was comfortable with. So I actually work for him now. He's been a mentor for me for my entire career. And he navigated as a manager a lot of things to help trigger is not the right word. I never really had any major triggers, but he did help me with leadership and 
was a much better example of the leader I wanted to become. So I would say the healing was in the time for me. It was mm-hmm. in finding someone I could lean into. It was getting away from the situation. Yeah. And it sounds like healing came from being in a healthier work environment. I think that's key with workplace harassment specifically is having the opportunity like you did to restart your career, to continue your career, to continue your career trajectory with an employer who managed and did what they needed to do instead of engaging harassing activities. Did you let that employer know of the incidences that you'd experienced? In my second job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was scared. I mean, I just had this immense fear that he would come after me. Mm-hmm. That was probably the biggest thing for me was I knew whatever I was going to do, I was going to be successful in because that's where I'm at, like just driven and want to learn and do better and be better. Yeah. I was just scared he was going to come after me. And it was months. I mean, it took a while to develop my relationship with the boss at that time. And I just shared that, you know, I was scared that these things were going to happen And something may happen that he may show up, which was not unrealistic, I think, in my mind because of what I had dealt with and the hold he had on me. But it was helpful, I think, to confide that in him to be able to help me. I mean, not even as a boss, but as a mentor to kind of guide me back through like what is a healthy relationship as a manager, as an employee and with him being a man and me being a woman, what that healthy relationship looks like. Now, I don't doubt that there are people listening to this podcast right now who either know someone who is in a workplace harassment situation or themselves have been in it. What can people who encounter workplace harassment do to fight back and subsequently heal? It's kind of interesting, I think, because everybody thinks that the fighting back is the hard part, but it's really the healing. Mm. Whether you fight back or whether you exit, you still have to deal with that baggage you carry around of, you know, what could happen, or if I say the wrong thing, or if I imply something that's going to open this door, like you kind of run scared for a little bit until you can kind of close those wounds and learn what a normal environment was. But if anybody's in the middle of something like this or knows somebody, the first place I would encourage anyone to go is to talk to HR. And regardless if it's a one-time incident or if you're down the road and it's been happening for a while, I would say that the HR department should be willing to help. And Mm -hmm. I do say should because we do have corporate politics and sometimes depending on who the assailant is, there could be issues in the organization that it may not help the cause, period. Right. Another resource I would encourage people to tap into is their employee assistance program. A lot of organizations will have an EAP. It's HIPAA information. It's completely confidential to the employer if you utilize those services. And they're free. Usually for the initial sessions, they're free. So I would encourage that. I would lean on your family. I would find somebody who's going to help you get the strength to either fight back or move on and start healing. Sometimes fighting back isn't always the solution. Uh I struggle a little bit because sometimes when I think back on my experience, I believe there was a woman that was in our department before me. That's highly likely. Statistics show that assailants, especially those of sexual abuse, you know, more than likely are repeat offenders. So that's probably a good assessment. And it's hard to be in a position where you want to fight back because you don't want them to do it to someone else. But at the same time, you kind of have to take care of yourself and your self-worth becomes nothing. I was 
so broken down and exhausted as a person. I mean, the organization did me a favor. And you and I have talked too about, you know, just opportunities coming out of challenging situations. And I have to agree that I feel that the company exiting you was a good decision because that led to the opportunity that you ended up having with the second job with an employer who was more caring from whom you learned a great deal and most importantly understood your healing journey with that incident with the previous employer. And not everyone may find that, but Mm -hmm. finding a mentor or finding someone who's been through it that can tell them it's not uncommon what you're feeling and, or going to counseling or finding someone that you can confide in and share your experience to move forward from or to learn from others. It was hard for me because it was my first like real job. It was my first career job or my first job where I was there full time. And I had a boss that was with me full time. And I didn't have any other experience to draw from to know like, this is not right. This is not okay. I need to move on. And so I think it's finding someone, your family, your support system, someone you can trust to either help you get the courage to know it's okay. And there is something better. And there is another opportunity out there at a different employer that you will thrive in. And it's finding the courage to do that. Wow. Great. That is a great place to end such a pivotal conversation. Trisha, thank you again for joining us today. And I thank you again for sharing your story. I really know that there are folks in our audience who have gained something from this. Is there anywhere that our listeners can learn more about you, your work, or additional resources for dealing with workplace harassment? So me personally, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profile is out there. Everything's under Trisha Cornwell. I found a site that's called womenagainstabuse.org. And they have some good stories out there. And they also have resources for women to be able to combat or deal with some of the issues outside of your organization. Contact information for like Department of Labor or other places where you can get some support, where you can kind of deal with the issue without having to do that internally if you're worried about contacting HR or an internal resource. Awesome. Well, we will certainly leave both the link to your LinkedIn page as well as the link to womenagainstabuse.org in the show notes for our listeners. Thank you so much again, Trisha, for joining us. This is Kelly, and this has been Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast presented by the North Liberty Library. Today, we talked with Trisha Cornwell about healing after workplace harassment. Check out the show notes from today's episode to find out more about her work and additional resources. Also, please visit our website at northlibertylibrary.org for additional programming and services. Thanks for listening.